Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your premier NBA podcast, Heart in the Paint, the podcast where we ask the hard questions about the NBA. I'm your host, Matt, again, joined by Michael. And on this wonderful inaugural day of the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, we have a whole docket of news and trades and all sorts of things to jump right into. So uh, before we start, though, we would like to say that this episode of Heart in the Paint podcast is sponsored by Gatorade, your premier thirst-quenching beverage uh, whenever you might be uh, a performance-based exercise or just need a little bit of a pick-me-up. It's filled with all sorts of electrolytes to help you replenish, rehydrate, and refuel. Uh, I recommend the orange flavor personally, uh, but they're all pretty solid, really, and they come in all sorts of flavors, sizes, even do protein bars now. So get your stock up on Gatorade with uh, code hard in the paint. And with that, let's jump right into some sad news of the day. Well, really, it was a couple days ago, but Oladipo is a Noladipo for the rest of the season. Uh, he has broken a quad tendon, so it's kind of like breaking your leg, but not exactly. But, uh, that's enough to keep you out for pretty much a whole year. So what is what does this mean for the landscape of the NBA right now? The surgery is going to require it's season, so no all-star appearance, no appearance for the rest of the year. I don't know exactly what the timetable would be for next season. Indy, obviously their Dynamo. They At the time, they were the number three team in the East. Although I think we all kind of had, had Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly pegged as the true contenders for the Eastern Conference, with Indiana being the solid five, but they'll probably still make the playoffs. They probably just won't make any noise. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Maybe it's um, maybe it's time for Miles Turner to finally earn his money again. Maybe he kind of carries them to an eighth seed at this point. Um, kind of upsetting you know it's indiana is a team you can't really be mad at right now after the paul george thing they kind of everything kind of took a positive spin and oladipo is like a generally good guy so you kind of feel bad for him another guy that's injured it's gonna be a lot it's gonna be a lot more sabonis man sabonis like the highest pr player in the league right now <laughs> so so another injury uh spencer dinwiddie is out the Probably six, six man, man of the, the year. year. Yeah, probably. Um, Does that Brooklyn's playoff chances now? They were six, I think. Six behind Charlotte, maybe? Seven? This is pretty Are bad because I think Can Spencer... Detroit make a run? I think a lot of teams would like Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, he's he's a different look for point guard that comes off the bench you know he kind of fills that sean livingston role even though his game's not the same but the general meta of playing him is the same so i you know it's pretty sad i feel like you could have made a good deal with a healthy spencer dinwiddie somewhere to get one of these players coming up but eh, it's brooklyn what'd you expect not a whole lot <laughs> Heritage is out as well. Yeah, again, that's Omega bad. I think the you know, their Pelicans had that hot streak at the start of the year with 
Miritich and Davis, and then Miritich went out, and then Randall went out, and Davis went out, and it's just been kind of an He's injury. He's Moore was out for a while there, and Elford Payton just came back too. Yeah, so they're they're just a roller coaster of injuries. Yeah, they can't really just get a full starting five healthy, which is probably part of the reason Davis wants out. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, at least they've got Anthony Davis for like the next decade. So, I mean, you know, next season, New Orleans probably be like right back in the thick of things. Uh, on top of that, we have... Uh, I'm just going to skip some of these and just jump right into... Um, maybe the hot topic <laughs> the issue the of yesterday. So yesterday's news, <laughs> you know, on the jump and everything was what the heck's going on with Memphis right now? Uh, they are on like an abysmal losing record since like the beginning of December. Like they're like, I think they were like, uh, I, think they've, I think they've lost like 18 of the last 20 games. Something absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It's just, Something it kind of doesn't make sense too. Yeah, I guess we were wrong about them making the playoffs. They looked pretty good. They like they looked like they were getting their game back together in October, but I don't know what is the problem now. Like, uh, I don't think it's been like injuries to their stars. Um, you know, maybe they should take a lesson from our NC State women's basketball team that is currently Undefe- undefeated, twenty and zero, seven and zero in ranked play. The only undefeated collegiate team, men's or women's, right now. Go pack. Uh, so, so a non-pack superstar though is Mike Conley of Grizzlies fame. You know, pretty much just a overall good point guard. Probably like I would say, like uh, I don't, I don't know who you would best describe his game as actually kind of old school game he's really the last of the dying breed of the true up point guard as opposed to this point shooting guard combo that we have with like james harden and staff and Kyrie. he was more or less like a true point guard yeah i was a pass first kind of guy and i think part of that too is just kind of the system he's been in for so long has been get it to the big man let him work mm-hmm. and then you know, occasionally you get Conley off the screen or a three or something like that. So I think that's unintentionally hurt his trade value a lot. Is point guard is like your number one scoring position now. See, I think it's actually, it might act somewhat be sneaky and it might actually help his trade value. Because a lot of teams already have their go-to guard and he might play well off the ball. That's true. We are seeing a lot more of that kind of pass-first point guard attached to a scoring point guard. I mean, look at Minnesota with Rose and Teague, or... I mean, CP3 and Harden. Even Pelicans, to an extent, with, like, Etwan and Drew. CP3 Harden. Washington's backcourt. CJ McCollum obviously does this a lot. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. The The only problem is is he's kind of expensive. Uh yeah, thirty million this year, and then sixty-seven over the next two years. That's <laughs> uh, a shit ton of money. You know, uh, over thirty guard, who's had some injury problems. Although his his shooting this year is forty-three, thirty-five are, are the splits, right? So thirty-five percent from three, not bad. And he's not exactly like a volume shooter. So 
you yeah. know, if I'm if I'm some of these teams that are trying to make a playoff push. The problem is, is what does Memphis want? You know, what what does Memphis uh, want in exchange? Just picks? I, I think so. I think they're just stockpiling for the future now because you're not gonna attract a free agent to Memphis. Uh they still have the Chandler Parsons contract to deal. Oh my god, they Marcus still have Saul that. Also, <laughs> Marcus Gasol is still on the table. So I think it's uh, a, pretty much a blow-up type situation. So picks or young assets. So I'm just going to run through this uh, list of trades you have here, and we'll we'll figure out which one we like the best. So first up, you have New Orleans could give... Yeah, so I would preface this by saying I, I had this before Anthony Davis announced any of this stuff so this might essentially be dead on arrival by now hey who knows maybe maybe new orleans has just been like sitting on their laurels and they just trade the whole crew away <laughs> just keep him there and just get a whole new supporting cast you know do so you have new orleans giving hill alfred payton or etuan moore and then two picks maybe some picks yeah uh, it's it doesn't seem like that good of a deal no Given given the Anthony Davis situation, you know th- this was, you know New Orleans, they would obviously have sunk the cost with Anthony Davis next year. You have Mike Conley over the next two years. That kind of gives you a, a decent window, and then you have Drew Holiday's contract. So it's like if you're gonna go in and throw in all this money over the next two years, why not just add that situation, and then by 2021 you've cleared the decks anyway, and you might be able to make a playoff push. The next one you have up here, though, Detroit for Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard and picks. That I can get behind. Detroit, Detroit needs a guard, and they need a guard upgrade. And I would Conley is an upgrade from Reggie Jackson. Yeah, more in control, playoff experience point guard. You know, I mean, him and Blake have some history with those old Clippers-Memphis battles. So, And I think Mike Conley working with Andre Drummond and Blake you know, in the it's pretty similar fit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then you have the Spurs here, because the Spurs obviously need yeah. another point guard. I, I don't know who the Spurs would want to give up for Mike Conley, uh, and I don't know if Memphis would want anybody from the Spurs. Yeah, that's kind of but a tough one, but you like the Mike Conley. Goals. Yeah, because Mike Conley, you know, is a, is a guard. They need a guard. Pop, if he's kind of around who knows but the spurs system tends to elongate careers look at lamarcus aldridge right you know a traditional four who's somehow still going to be an all-star kind of crazy uh the knicks i did like with hardaway moutier and frankie smokes maybe kind of interesting i think that's also on the idea that chris stops comes back pretty healthy and maybe they have Zion. That would be not awful. I, I think I think New York can do better though for those assets. Uh, the Philly one's interesting because Philly obviously needs a point guard. Uh, so you have Fultz, Chandler, and Jer Smith for. I think that's I actually not bad. I think it would actually be a pretty decent trade. I mean, maybe Memphis can unlock Fultz, figure it out. And then he's still got Triple J. And then Zaire Smith, who they also picked up in the draft. You would have three uh, guys, basically, who 
I mean, essentially between them have one NBA season under their belt. Not a bad if you can get it off the ground. Now, obviously, Indiana could use another guard right now. And Conley is a hometown hero over there. Yeah, but with Oladipo being out, I think this one's dead, too. Yeah. Yeah. What about Cleveland? So for Cleveland, I was thinking J.R. Smith, right? Cleveland wants to get rid of J.R. Smith. And Tristan Thompson's mega contract. Maybe... You know, you throw Chandler Parsons kind of in there and to kind of sweeten the deal. And Mike Conley, Collins in backcourt with Kevin Love. You got to have picks no. in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, so another one that I was thinking with, they deal out Conley and Gasol. And Memphis takes on JR, uh, Tristan Thompson, Zizic, Jordan Clarkson, and Cameron Payne. If you're going to tank Memphis, you might as well go all in on this tank. Let JR just jack up a shit ton of shots. Yeah, but they aren't even like... Like, they have to get tank below Phoenix level. Like, I don't know if you can match that rate. Well, the the problem Memphis has is that Cleveland, Phoenix, uh, Atlanta, and somebody else are also kind of the Knicks, are like the four teams at the very bottom. And obviously, this year's college draft is probably not going to be that deep. But if you have a number five pick, I mean, you can still get uh, what's that Duke kid, uh, Cam Reddish. Yeah, or, you can have Cam Reddish, uh, yeah. Triple J. You have Tristan Thompson, who can still give you some spot minutes. And then you got two greatest shooters in Clarkson and Jr. to just completely, you know shoot you out of a game Clarkson would fit in with the Memphis crowd that's all I'm going to say with his tats now (laughs) I like this one you have down here though that's uh, Dallas Conley and Gasol for Jordan DSJ and Picks yeah so if Memphis is going to stockpile for the future DSJ pretty good asset I don't know if him and Luca are really going to work out here in the end or even just DSJ and Rick Carlisle. It's kind of weird. Get some picks, stock up. DeAndre Jordan, I pretty much, I, I mean, he's at the end of his career. Do we really expect much from him? And then let Mike Conley, Luca backcourt with Gasol, kind of maybe rejuvenate his career a little bit. That would be Conley's best team, right? Like ever? Uh, best starting five if, it, if he did that trade? I mean, I guess he's never really. I mean, his starting fives have never been. Tony like, Allen was better on defense. But Tony, you, the Tony Allen <laughs> offense, though, from 2014. Yeah, that'd probably be his best, especially with Harrison Barnes in the mix. You know, that's kind of the one thing that Memphis was always saying in the early kind of 2010s was a, a guy at small forward. So then his, co- his cohort, Marcus Gasol, obviously has a little bit of a different shtick to him. Uh, his... Yeah, and I'm also, I'm also thinking that maybe Memphis, what they do is they deal out Gasol by the, you know, the February 7th deadline. They hold on to Conley, who's a guard, probably holds a little bit more value. And then maybe in the summer, once, you know, kind of those top free agents, like wherever Ken goes and Kawhi, Kyrie, Jimmy... Anthony Davis, like wherever everybody else ends up, then after that, that kind of second wave that we always get in kind of mid-July, maybe that's when they start moving calmly. 
But Marcus also has a shit ton of money. Yeah, but but Mark is like a more more, he the more valuable player. player. He's a more unique player. Like you can also Marcus all, but he is older. Yeah, you're right. So he's 34. He's averaging 59 and five right now, and he's getting 25 and a half million with a player option in 2020. So obviously there isn't very many choices left to do a straight trade with solely off of that 25 and a half alone. The most obvious one that comes to mind is Batum because somebody paid Batum like 26 million a year. Um, yeah, the Conley fits the perfect. Yeah, sorry, Gasol fits the perfect. You know, tall white dude. Exactly, tall white dude shoots threes. Him and Frankie K would be totally fine. <laughs> uh, another one I like <laughs> the Spurs. Let's do another Gasol for Gasol trade just for the hell of it. Just yeah, the throwing Pow and like <laughs> Lonnie Walker and like a second round pick, and you got a deal. Uh, and then the last kind of Mark Gasol Conley trade I had was you package those two together: John Wall, Mahini, Dwight Howard, Jeff Green. Jeff Green going back to Memphis. <laughs> I could see it. I mean, this would obviously be a huge win for Washington and a complete disaster for uh, Memphis. Could you imagine having John Wall and, like, Triple J? Yeah, yeah but your team going, wouldn't be kid's... dysfunctional, right? Uh, I mean, you would have, on one side, you'd have Dwight, John Wall, and then you got Jeff Green, who, you know, is clearly the least polarizing player in the NBA. Yeah. So, the obviously, Memphis's number one problem is... Uh... They somehow signed Chandler Parsons <laughs> for a hundred million for four years, and I think they still have two year two years at two years left. When's the last time you've seen him in so, a jersey? Uh, well, I'm pretty sure he's actually just a, a straight up like coach DNP. I think he's actually healthy. I think it's just they don't want to play him. So I have no idea what what's going to work out here. I mean, we might as well throw Mello into the mix here. If you're going to put Jr. Clarkson and Mello on this Memphis team, they will get you the number five pick in the draft. Who is more likely to play in the future? Bolts, Parsons, or Mello? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, obviously, it's got to be Fultz. Like, the dude was just drafted like two years ago. <laughs> uh, I would say this season, Mello. For the actual future, probably false. But this season, I can see it's so sad that that's somewhere. even a debate. <laughs> oh man! Oh gosh! So oh. basically, once Conley and Gasol are gone, that's that's the end of the great ground Memphis Grizzlies. And I mean, you've left too, so. I mean, yep, I gotta leave there. with them. Yep. Yeah, I, I need to get my two K up and trade my my player over to Utah somehow. <laughs> Even though it doesn't make sense, because I'm I picked picked like a small forward because Memphis never had a small forward. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, Mello is Mello a three? I mean, he's too slow, but could he play a three? He's certainly like a uber budget, like Marcus Morris, right? I don't. I don't even know. I don't. Marcus Morris, I feel like, can still play defense, though. Like, Melo, we've just... similar. 
I don't even know about that because Marcus Morris now is kind of been transformed into this, you know, just kind of guy that just shoots threes out there. You know, he doesn't really do anything in the post or the mid range at all. He's basically become a lot like what uh, Brooklyn for uh, Milwaukee, just kind of jacking up threes. Yikes. Yeah, someone's going to take the mellow bait. He's got to have a farewell tour so, somehow. So some other stuff that I had in the uh, the trade machine pipes. Uh, Anthony Davis for Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, and maybe another pick. I actually really like this idea. I've heard this one been going around a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at first I was just kind of dicking around, but then like it actually started making some noise. So I was like, oh, shit. I've definitely been hacked. Yeah, so so I've seen the other trade I've seen that's funny for this is like Embiid Fultz for Anthony Davis. Oh no, I want to see Anthony Davis with Embiid. Oh my god, that'd be insane. I think so too. I think that uh, works out better. But there's a funny argument for getting rid of Embiid because he's gonna like hurt himself again. You know. I I guess. I mean, it'd be sick if they could keep all three. But then you'd have this like crazy supersized line. Up, right where like you'd have ben simmons anthony davis and bead it's like that's three seven footers yeah and then you have to play like mcconnell and like caparo well technically they still have jimmy because i don't think they can trade jimmy because of i don't know weird trade conflicts and stuff so they would actually technically have jimmy butler too thrown in there It'd be kind of fun uh i also thought what if New Orleans simply just blow up the entire experiment. So if they're going to get rid of Anthony Davis, at that point, you might as well just get rid of everybody else, right? So what if you also get rid of Drew Holiday and Heritage for Fultz, J.J. Redick, and maybe a Picks? I think Drew Holiday would actually really help uh, Philly. Oh, yeah, you're totally right. Could you imagine, like, a Drew and uh, Butler, like, backcourt duo? Like, that's that's pretty brutal, man. And, you know, with Ben Simmons having, you know, he has to have the ball, right? I mean, he, he's not a he's not a shooter. But Drew Holiday can actually play off the ball, and he can defend the back guard, right? So that actually kind of frees up Jimmy Butler to play more at the small forward, push Ben Simmons to the backcourt. Wait, wait, what's your lineup then? So it's... Uh, so Ben Simmons is playing the point. Shooting guard is Drew Holiday. Jimmy is small forward. Uh, your four is going to be a... Muscala? Muscala? <laughs> and five indeed? Yeah, let's... I mean, you have Meritich on here, but he's injured, right? Yeah. I mean, he would start, but I, I think, like, in terms of a crunch time lineup, I actually kind of like that. I think, like, do your kind of dirty defensive work. Ben Simmons, Drew Holiday, Jimmy Butler... That takes care of your your one, two, and three guarding. And then Embiid is like he almost he was he was a defensive player of the year candidate a year ago. So I think the only way you beat that is you just uh play whoever offense on like Miritich and that's it. Like that's all you do, right? Because <laughs> everyone else is a yeah, good but defensive even that, player. <laughs> yeah, but but at the same time, like they could easily just switch it so Ben Simmons like plays the four. Like Ben Simmons could play the one, two, three, or four. Okay, well actually not the two. He's not. He can't shoot. 
but the one, three, or four. So you just, you just, Brett Brown figured out how to always switch Ben Simmons. Ben is the two-way player in 2020. I'm, it's, it's on, it's on scratch right now. All right, so uh, let's hop into. <laughs> oh, my final two, uh, my final two trade oh, machine yeah. things were uh, Kevin Love for Nick Batum. Again, just fitting the uh, white guy status in uh, in Charlotte, and then Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson for DeAndre Jordan, DSJ, and Dwight Powell. That seems like a bad deal if you're Dallas. Uh I don't know. I think Tristan Thompson gives you more now than DeAndre Jordan does right now. Yikes! I didn't. I haven't watched enough. Tristan Thompson or DeAndre Jordan recently to know the difference. <laughs> I feel like you got to leave Dwight Powell in Dallas if you make that deal. I don't know. I feel like Dallas, they still got to figure out some stuff, right? Harrison Barnes. And I don't really know how this DSJ Luca combination is going to play out. I think he's obviously on the trading box somewhere, but I don't think he's. Like, I'm not sure what DSJ's value is to these other teams because he's kind of not a starter I don't point guard what, yet. Yeah, and I don't really know what DSJ... Like, his game is just... It's so unlike anybody else's game in just terms of the the explosiveness. But at the same time, he doesn't do these kind of prototypical point guard things that you need from him. Yeah, it's like a gamble that you would want, like... Uh... In Philly, I don't. I was gonna say like like Brooklyn or something. Make some trade happen. I make him play like beside. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like DSJ with Zach Levine on the Bulls. That just seems like like whoa. Watch what the fuck's gonna happen tonight. Yeah, one ACL as between two the teammates, two teammates. As two teammates try to outdo each other. Be entertaining. Just be so fucking hyper competitive. That would be exciting, I'll tell you that. So another exciting thing is, of course, the fan requested MVP breakdown. You know, where we're uh, I think we have like I think we got five okay, so we have a I think a Giannis Harden. Then he kind of got Embiid and PG below that. And then I would say third tier is stat. And Kawhi, but I feel I feel like Kawhi's missed too many games to really even like by the time the season's done, he's gonna miss something like like a part of the season. So I feel like that kind of rolls him out. So the easy the easy way to think about this, I think, is basically you've got Giannis Harden. We agree on that, and then I think your second tier is really Embiid, Paul George, and Steph. Because while Steph, of course, is surrounded by 17 All-Stars, he's having a ridiculously efficient year. Like, astronomically, stat-wise, maybe one of the best shooting seasons ever. Yeah, but I think his, his, like, MVP momentum, if there really is any, is is going to slow down with Boogie on the floor. Oh, yeah. Because now it's like, oh, come on. Like, Boogie's playing so efficiently, too. Boogie's put up like 15 points in 15 minutes. So I think a lot of it is just going to be overlooked. Um, But he will probably have the best record in the West and possibly the entire NBA 
So he'll get votes Gotta just for that. It. Yeah. And the big thing that kind of jumps out with Steph is his true shooting percentage is 66% right now. Which is fucking crazy. He's almost shooting 50-50-90, which is also fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's putting up 12... Like, he's attempting 12 threes a game, dude. If he makes eight of them in a game, that's 24 points. This is insane. Not to mention, like, he's the free up. throws and the assists and the normal shots, you know? And I'm sure with Steph on the floor, it just kind of unlocks everybody else, right? Like, we don't get those, uh, you know, my favorite quarters are when Clay just goes off and, you know, like crazy, you know, with like two dribbles, like 60 points. And Steph is really kind of the one that unlocks that. But I think a lot of that is going to be overlooked by the fact that they have five all-stars. And I think we're looking for, you know, the different narrative of Harden on this epic streak of, 23 games of 30 plus cp 3s back now eric gordon is kind of back capella still got about a month to go i guess if, if you have to vote right now who, who would who would you have as mvp Giannis or harden right now it's a toss-up for me between those two it's like really close i think i think the harden hype will die down though now that chris paul's coming back so i think Giannis will is going to have the momentum here going into the all-star break. So I think we'll pick Giannis. Yeah. yeah, right now Giannis putting up 26.5 points, 12.5 rebounds, and almost 6 assists a game. This is pretty fucking crazy. Does Anthony Davis leads the NBA right now in rebounds, I think? Or he's like at like 13.3, and Giannis is getting 12.6. And I, I mean, you know, if you gotta say, eighties team versus Giannis's team, Giannis is probably a little bit better in terms of a team, but for them to be that much significantly better than the Pelicans this year, I obviously in a in a conference, but it's crazy. Also, Giannis attempting almost nine free throws a game. It's a lot. Yeah, and he's like guaranteed like four to five dunks a game, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Right now, he has 163 dunks, and Embiid is number two or three on that list with 83. So he's got almost double the amount of dunks as Embiid. Yeah, he's also <laughs> shooting uh, at least 27-ish points with, like, no threes, which is unheard of in today's game. Uh... Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> literally going hard in the paint. Yeah, he's actually the new, you know, I'm I'm going to rebrand the podcast to just be a face of Giannis in a basketball. <laughs> yeah, Giannis, sl- but like with the, uh, like Jason Voorhees, like hockey mask on top. And then he's just like wielding a machete. There you go. I think, you know, on, on top of this, everything we just said, uh, you know, he is all-star team captain. That helps a lot. That's a good point. I do think, yeah. He's got a lot of already has a lot of fan support. And he's I think he's the only other person on this list with a usage rate even close to Harden. Like Harden has obviously the highest usage rate in the NBA right now, but Giannis is probably number two on that list. And he'd also be one of the kind of last big guys. Like 
a big guy hasn't won the award in a while. I mean, I know it's Kevin Durant, seven feet tall, but Kevin Durant's, you know, like not a, a you know, a big, right? He doesn't play like a big. So line, I think since Dirk, I'm the last like big guy to win the MVP. And does LeBron not count as a big guy? No. LeBron's like a, a like a wing, like a perimeter guy, right? Like KD is like a wing perimeter kind of guy. Like Giannis is like he's putting up eighteen points in the like in the paint. Like he's a he's a kind of more in that traditional fold of a big guy. So someone that's not in the fold of a big guy is bearded cohort. Harden is obviously number two on this list because uh, he is <laughs> averaging like thirty eight points a game or something right now. Uh, yeah, I think in January it was like something. I think he's got the second all time behind Will for like a, a pure month or something of January. And it was he put up was like forty something points a game for january but he's put up like almost 37 right now for the season which is pretty fun crazy and he's also dishing in like eight assists a game like and he had that huge streak of like 200 something or like 200 something points uh with like unassisted scoring which is also pretty crazy i think that's and like he's not even good <laughs> three point shot he's not even good at three point shots he's attempting 13 a game and he's only hitting like 37 percent like that's not that good. That's could just you average. Imagine if he was hitting, that's what I'm saying. Like, could you imagine how? Like, he'd be cracking. He would be cracking, like knocking on the doors of a fifty every night if he could just make like three more threes a game. And he's getting the line. He has perfected this Dan Tony system. I think, you know, obviously we've got like a third of a season left to see if he's gonna be gassed out but this is just incredible really when you think about it for it's just 37 he brings the ball to the court every time he's got the best defender on him every time you know he does like the same six to seven moves every time it's perfect that step back three and also the hacking like foul that he gets he is perfected it yeah in you know, I don't like watching him because I feel like it's not exciting, and I feel like he fouls a lot. Like, but it obviously doesn't get called because you never call fouls on the offensive player. Um, but it's just when you look at the sheer numbers, you're like, "Holy crap, dude!" Like, thirty-seven points per game in thirty-seven minutes. He's averaging the season. That's insane. He's averaging a point a minute. Like two K numbers, crazy. man. The other thing I think Harden really has is by the MVP. We always talk about like kind of the narrative of the season, right? And he's got more of those signature moments than Giannis has. Like Giannis has been good from day one, right? Day, you know, first day of the season, they played Charlotte and Giannis was ready to go. Harden, obviously, they stumbled out of the gate and then CP3 went down and they had to kind of build up, right? Like the very first thing was like CP3 and Rondo getting into it and Brandon Ingram, right? But now it's like he's got that overtime win against Golden State, put up 61 in the Garden. The last time he scored under 30 was December 11th. He His, his streak of 30-plus games went beyond the government shutdown. This is mind-blowing. Yeah, it's definitely, like you said, he's got much more of the narrative than Giannis has, but, you know, end of the day, I mean, you've got to give Giannis some respect. That, yeah. He's, yeah, Giannis has less help 
clearly that right. I mean, CP3 is a Hall of Famer, MVP caliber player. Eric Gordon is a much better shooter than probably and then Bledsoe or Middleton and Capella is pretty awesome too. So yeah, and it's like right now I would even think about it like Giannis has never really been that far in the playoffs either like he's kind of you know they had that one yeah but I mean he's also younger and then you know his first like two years the entire team was built around Jabari Parker yeah I still regret buying that jersey so let's just talk to Embiid uh, <laughs> so probably the closest third place um he he up until probably the last 10 days i had it i had Embiid as that third place kind of guy but, but um but go ahead yeah yeah so so Embiid is the best offensive big man in the game right now uh 27 okay. 13 and 4 he's playing a healthy amount of minutes now you know last couple years the minutes restriction back-to-back restriction all that stuff but looks like he's all healthy and checked out um He's obviously has the best Twitter in the NBA. And he is <laughs> kind of Mr. Double Double right now when it comes to just consistent points and rebounds. And I do think the the uh NBA Twitter aspect kind of folds into this because of the narrative part of it. Um he's, he's just a beast, man. Ten free throw attempts a game. He shoots the three. Like, he's basically the spacer on that team, which is weird to think about, but he's also, like, the interior guy on that team. I think the crazy part, too, is before Harden went on this crazy streak in December, Embiid was leading in free throw attempts per game. That's a good point. Man, that's... He's a good free throw shooter, too. Like he's, yeah, he's a not like playoff your... matchup nightmare for pretty much every team right now in the East. And he... And, you know, Giannis and Harden, the big thing is they carry such an offensive load that their defense kind of doesn't uh, pull up. The, but Embiid, you know, makes a difference on both ends of the floor. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much night in, night out. And the, you can tell by his rebound. Like, his rebounding is insane. The defensive anchor for that team, especially when you have to play Redick. Uh, so then I think maybe if you ask me, like, Two to three days ago, I would have said Paul George was number three. Like, this is 3A, 3B pretty much right now. But Paul George... Yeah. Uh, 20... I mean, Paul George is clearly a dark horse, I would say. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say because it's like, oh, he's got Russ on his team, the guy that averages triple-doubles. But Russ is having, yeah, like, a, a awful year, really, when you look at the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, he's he's putting up 27, 8, and 4. This is insane. Can you, like... 27 points. You're talking about Kevin Durant type of consistency out of this guy. Yeah, I think maybe his biggest knocks are his three balls a little weak. You know, he's not really getting he's actually you would like. So he's he's a decently somewhat high volume shooter, right? Like he shoots like nine threes a game. So not as much as Harden, but he actually shoots a better than Harden. Oh, really? So, I mean, yeah. So, he's putting, his shooting splits are 44, 39, and 84. So, he's not as good from the field or from the free, or from the stripe, but he's better at the three, which means a lot on that team, because that team for OKC, they have a lot of size, right? But they don't have a lot of, uh, you know, pace and space is not necessarily their, their game plan. 
Um, he takes about 20 shots a game, so it's it's a bit more, it's, you know, it's like 1.2 more than he was taking last year. But almost half of what he's taken are threes, which is, mm. like, that's a lot. Also, out of all the wings on this list, it's basically everyone but Embiid. He's probably the best defensive player. I don't want to yeah, say in the that. league, but he's one or two on the wing. I would say... You know, Game Seven Finals. Who do I who do I want? I would say Kawhi is one, PG is two, and that's yeah. assuming like healthy Kawhi, right? Yeah, like, for like a wing defense, right? Yeah. But I think that's also something that really helps him is that he might be Defensive Player of the Year front runner right now because Kawhi has missed so many games. And you know, if you're getting two steals per game and you're kind of showing that you're the best two way player this season, maybe that kind of helps build your MVP narrative. Um, another big thing is he's in the West and he's going to start in the all-star game over Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic, which is pretty crazy. And then the most mind blowing thing would be if he did somehow win this award, the Oklahoma city thunder would have four MVP players at some point and no championship. (laughs) Like (laughs) my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. What a weird franchise story. We're going to get to the finals with like 21 and under year olds and then they're going to win the MVPs sequentially in years afterward as they split apart from different teams and then we're going to get a replacement to replace our greatest player of all time Kevin Durant with Paul George he's probably like 85% Kevin Durant yeah <laughs> what a tale so I'm yeah, so if you had to pick today if you had to pick today yeah, yeah, my top three are Giannis, one, Harden, two, but like basically neck and neck, PG, three, and beat four, and then I have Steph rounding out my list at five. Uh, because, I mean, his offensive explosion this season is crazy. Like, I mean, obviously he's, he's taking a bit of a step back with KD being on the team, probably a little bit more now with Boogie, but his numbers are not quite as good as uh, that year that he won the unanimous MVP, but... They're pretty up there. 66% true shooting cannot be overlooked. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you on the order. I think the biggest thing for Harden for me is I already don't like him, and <laughs> I am I want to see how they they run things now with Chris Paul back. If... Yeah, I mean, if he puts up 40 a game with CP3 on the court, I mean, that's got to mean something. I also don't know if Giannis has really reached his MVP potential yet. I think you know, that's like an important like thing. Like, I think it's like when Kevin Durant won it in 2013, 2014, right? It was like the Slim Reaper mode where he was just, I mean, everywhere on the court, he was just knocking it down, but it didn't feel like that was the best Kevin Durant could be, or even like LeBron in 09, where it was like, yeah, but he still can't really shoot yet. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where like Harden that. goes on that spectrum because I think this is prime Harden right now. Yeah, I mean, I think Harden is about oh. thirty years old. Oh, he's like twenty six. He's like, he's like 29, 20. Uh, Let me Google it real quick. But yeah, I mean, this is prime Harden, right? This is as good as this guy's gonna get. Um, he's twenty nine. Yeah, I think Giannis and Embiid both have room to grow on this list. I think Harden, really, it's just his three-point percentage. Paul George, I don't expect anything more of him. And then Steph might as well shoot better. Like, why the heck not? 
Well, I think Paul George has actually gone up a lot. Like, this is the best Paul George I've ever seen. This is the best since the leg injury. I think that last year in Indy, before he broke his leg, he was probably on this level. I don't know. I think he's actually even better now. He seems even more efficient. Um, and then with Harden, you know, this is definitely the best offensive version of Harden I've I've ever seen. The guy is just manipulating like an entire game to his will. It's it's, it's, it's so really weird. boring to watch. <laughs> I know, uh, it's it's actually I don't know. I when I watched him versus Golden State, I thought it was like, man, this is crazy. It's it's one guy taking on five all stars and he's just he's kicking their butt. I mean, it's just like what LeBron, you know, kind of game one. NBA Finals last season, right, where he put up 51, and it was like, man, this guy is lost and broke his water. hand. <laughs> yeah, so let's hope Harden doesn't punch. I don't know, like J.R. Smith. I was okay. gonna say Mellow, but Mellow might is probably not <laughs> on that team. <laughs> All right, what would you like to ram us out with here on this wholesome day? So we're wrapping up the first month of the year, and I was thinking. You know, what are some, you know, future storylines, you know, just kind of some initial thoughts on some things that might happen in 2019 um, that I think, you know, to look forward to, right? So, uh, you know, the big thing is the Anthony Davis sweepstakes have officially opened. I would say all 29 other teams should try to at least put in a bid. Obviously, the favorite's got to be Lakers, Knicks, Celtics. Um. So, you know, we didn't really kind of get too deep into the Anthony Davis kind of stuff, but what what are some of your, your like initial thoughts on this Anthony Davis stuff? So I kind of did some perusing on the internet, and it seems like he really wants to play for someone that's going to have continual chances to win a championship. So obviously that means championship franchises. So... On your list right here, those are the Lakers, the Celtics, the Warriors, and then Dark Horse, Bucks, and Sixers on that list. What about Toronto? I was actually thinking about this. Toronto, maybe? You know, I was I was thinking about how this trade would work, and I guess it's got to be like Ibaka, JV, and someone else. <laughs> and then you're like, well, is that yeah. team really better? I I think it just gives you more versatility on the defensive side because ad can switch onto anything i think the big problem is toronto isn't going to play jv in the playoffs at end of games because it's going to be small ball so exactly i think you're worth putting him in that bid dumping him someone else maybe a pick and the big thing is you know if anthony davis wants to contend for championships big thing is when you're in the playoffs is the other team has to fear your players, right? You know, when I when I watched Golden State versus uh, the Celtics on the weekend, you know, I caught like the last like six minutes of that game. And Golden State is actually afraid of Kyrie Irving. And I think Anthony Davis kind of instills that same fear. I think teams are afraid of Anthony Davis with four minutes to go in a playoff series. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you remember the uh, the first, I think it was the first Warriors run where they got matched up with the Pels the first round, and all four of those games went to buzzer beaters. Like, two of them oh, were AD, yeah. two of them were Steph. That was, that was yeah. good. So, 
Lakers are probably going to be the, I guess, the, the favorite right now to win the sweepstakes. The narrative Celtics, favorite, yeah. Yeah, Celtics, I mean, they can trade anybody to get him. The Knicks would be kind of fun, but I feel like in order for the Knicks to get him, they'd have to give up their first-round pick, which might end up being Zion. <laughs> Although, if you have a chance to put up KP, KD, and AD together, that might be worth it. Yeah, I mean, you know, people still aren't sold on Zion. Like, I'm not totally sold on him yet, so I think I would do that deal. Uh, Golden State, I think, would be just the f- most fun in terms of, like, an NBA Twitter way. Just because it would rile up so many people. Get rid of Draymond and Clay for Yeah, AD. like, like basically, you upgrade Draymond. What if you flip Boogie back? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I like AD with Embiid. I think that's just so fun. Another, uh, two more teams that I had just kind of like jotted down real quick, uh, that I'd like to see. I don't, I don't, I don't, I haven't done any of the math on this trade value stuff, or, but I think it'd be fun to see, uh, AD in Portland and finally have Portland kind of get to that next level and actually come to winning a, like, getting into the finals or winning a championship would be awesome with Dame and AD. Uh, also Houston. Yeah. Golly. <laughs> like Capella, Harden, CP3, 80. I think you got to get rid of Capella for that deal. Don't you? Or CP3? Uh, bring him back to New Orleans? Oh. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the mellow, the mellow talks are really there. Like, if I'm New Orleans, mellow for 80 straight up. If you if you want to blow up, like, the Pelicans, take Carmelo Anthony and just let him shoot you to death so you can get, a like, somewhere decent in the lottery. Yeah, and that's the problem, right? It's like, I think me and you are on the same idea of if you're going to blow up, blow it up, you know? Mm-hmm. There's no point in tanking halfway. There's no point in in just barely getting eighth seed every year. You know, you might as well try and win it all or not win at all. Yeah, and I would say cash in on Meritage. He's got value. Cash in on Drew Holiday. He's clearly got good value and a good contract. And he's relatively young. And he plays two ways. Um, Some other stories that I I was kind of thinking about. Luca and DSJ, I think it's something that we got to kind of, you know, probably won't dominate the NBA at any point over the next 12 months, but... It'll, something will happen over the all-star break and we'll yeah, hear more about I, I think there's going to be this kind of weird tension and then uh the kind of injury comebacks of some of these guys so cp3 and lebron some of your older banana boat kind of players bolts i think is this huge question mark over the league and then michael porter jr if he comes back to the nuggets next season that team might actually get even better yeah, it's everybody forgot about him. I mean, because he's been out all year, but you know, he's he wasn't a bad player. Like, and I think he gives them like a like a, a enough of a, a new thing with Denver because mostly it kind of relies on Jokic and their backcourt. But obviously, Michael Porter would kind of play like, like if he's half court. as good as Luca, like he's totally worth it, right? Yeah, because they they took him like what like fifteenth in the draft. Yeah, like, he's he's not like they. Yeah, I mean, like, that, that's a fantastic pick. Like, 
it's like a Donovan Mitchell Utah Jazz kind of pick. Like it's it might be the thing that kind of like cements you as being like a top four team in the West. So being a top four team in the West leads us to our final topic of the day, our 60-second breakdown of the upcoming Super Bowl. So, Michael, what is your predictions for the Super Bowl? You got Rams, Patriots. What's the score and who's winning? Uh, so I would say, you know, the Pats are kind of like LeBron, right? Where it's like, why would you go against them? And then Alabama lost, so therefore – like the Pats should win the Super Bowl because Bama lost. I'd like to see the Rams, but it's like, who really cares? And so one of the things I was actually kind of thinking about were all these like prop bets that you can do now, right? This is uh, just the way that the world works, right? With sports betting. And so uh, one of the things I have is uh, what song will Maroon 5 perform first? And so there's like 10 songs on this list and of which I don't think I know like seven of them. But if you had to guess what song Maroon 5 will perform first at halftime? What do you think it'll be? <laughs> do you know any Maroon 5 songs? Uh, <laughs> is anyone I say there? I say moves like Jagger. Uh, I, I think it's just think got animals, that right? weird. See, I, don't, I can't actually like figure out what animals sounds like off the top of my head. You know what I mean? Like, if you say animals by Room 5, I'm like, I don't know what that sounds like. Um, so how bad do you think those halftime performances is going to be? I think that's actually the more interesting thing is how bad are the commercials going to be? Because they're just they're, they're going to try too hard to be funny and they're not going to be funny. Uh, how bad will Maroon 5 be? How many times will Tony Romo uh, name, or I guess age drop Sean McVay's age versus Bill Belichick because Sean McVay is exactly half the age of Bill Belichick? Uh, okay, so for the last point, the age <laughs> drop, I'm going to say it's going to be six times. <laughs> well, man, that's a lot, dude. <laughs> you got to think once per quarter and then half time and overtime. overtime. <laughs> yeah. So we got six. Uh, pretty safe bet there. I'd bet like you know, no more than six. Um, I'm actually kind of hoping the the Patriots like win. Uh, then they like you know, Bra- then everybody's gonna be like, oh, is Brady gonna retire? And then he's gonna be like, no. Then he wins again next year. I'm actually hoping Brady gets a ten Super Bowl wins. See, so they have, we have this uh, thing at work. It's like uh, you bet who wins the flip, who gets the first touchdown, like yeah, who it's throws all the like, most interceptions like, and stuff. Yeah. So I've got um, I've got the Pats winning right now. They they lose the, or they, the Rams call the flip and lose it. The Pats get it, but the Rams score the first touchdown. There's a uh, the Pats though, score the longest field goal, and <laughs> I have them winning like twenty seven to twenty four or something like that. So, speaking of field goals, which I absolutely hate in the game of American football. Oh, so dumb. Uh, so, the LA Rams are owned by uh, a guy named Stan Kroenke, who also owns the uh, Arsenal uh, football club over in England. And I know one of our listeners is a huge Arsenal fan. Um, he always reps those shorts and stuff. And so, uh, Arsenal have been kind of known as, uh, I guess, penny-pinching. Like, they don't really... Uh, try to buy kind of the, the they don't splash a lot in the money markets right but obviously the rams this year have thrown in something like 200 
million dollars like their salary uh payroll so everyone's kind of wondering you know has he kind of leveraged his money from arsenal into funding the la rams to get to the super bowl so all the arsenal fans are really pissed off with this because they really hate the ownership so they're rooting for the patriots on like twitter and stuff and it's amazing that people in england actually care about the super bowl enough just to root for the patriots so uh good to know that uh you know, NBA Twitter is like clearly number one, but I think this like Arsenal Patriots Twitter game is is something to look forward to in 2019. And that'll do it. Uh, what a what a great way to end our Heart in the Paint episode for this week. Uh, we'll try and get another one in now that I finally have my setup and everything. Um, got a boom arm coming in the mail soon, and I got to do something about these sound panels because they keep falling down. But other than that, I think it's helping out a lot. Um, Probably would just turn my AC click off, but that's okay. So, of course, you can follow us at the associated links in the description. Uh, we always love your questions, comments, feedback at the email provided. I, you can also like, share, and subscribe because everyone else is doing it. Why don't we do it, you know? With that, uh, we'll leave you all on this fantastic Monday or whenever you're listening to this, and we'll be back soon to uh, probably talk more about the All-Star game. 